0: Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 351. Today is January 17th, 2022. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, happy new year. I know we're a couple weeks into the new year, and I didn't get a few of those last episodes that I wanted to get in before the end of the year. And guess what? I'm not going to get them in right now either. We'll save those topics for another day. What I want to address in this podcast is how the year is starting out. You see, by the title I used, I said that it's volatile and profitable. That's the way the year is starting out. That's likely the way I think the year will end. More about that in a minute. Before I get to that, I do want to mention that I heard from a lot of people wanting me to do a listener question episode. People thought that I was going to get to that before the end of the year. That's something I never did promise to. I personally am not a fan of listener question episodes. I know that a lot of people do like that. I get a lot of requests for it. I know other podcasters that do that, get a big response from that and, you know, thus do it often. I personally have avoided it because it's something actually that I really don't like. And that's really nothing more than my preference uh, and the way I like to do things. It's not a judgment call on listener shows one way or the other. It's just that I personally really don't like to do them Just like I really don't like to interview guests, and that's why I've never had a guest interview on this episode. You know, that's just my style, and I'm a big believer that you should do the things that you like to do best. In any case, being the lovable, benevolent person that I am, and since it's the start of a new year, I will take listener questions. If you get your questions into me by January 23rd, that's by the end of this upcoming weekend, then I'll review them and I'll do my best to get the answers back out to you sometime the week of the 24th. So if you ask some good questions, I'll do my best to get you some good answers. Now as far as the way 2022 is shaping up, it's starting out very volatile, but at the same time it's quite profitable. And what I mean by that is, is that the overall market is not falling apart I think the way the year is starting out is likely the way we'll see throughout the year and the way the year will end. And yes, it will be volatile. I would not be surprised at all if we got at least a, I don't know, 10 or 15% pullback. But at the same time, I think the market will still be very profitable. I think that by the end of 2022, the S&P 500 will likely end up being up by as much as maybe 10%. And that's in spite of the fact that, yes, there are high valuations on stocks. Yes, a lot of the big names are currently losing momentum. Yes, the Federal Reserve is likely to taper ahead of schedule and maybe raise interest rates. Yes, the overall growth in profits of corporations is declining. Yes, there are a lot of persistent problems in the economy from inflation to supply chain disruptions. The stock market always faces challenges and headwinds and the more of those that are recognized and talked about and promoted then generally that means that the more those events have been discounted and the likelihood of them being non-factors and already being priced into the market has already occurred. Look at what happened over the last a little more than four weeks ago when the Omicron variant became a big headline item in the news. Before Omicron hit, especially towards the middle and end of November, this is of last year of 2021, oil prices were up in the $85, $84 range. But once the fear of Omicron set in, right, before we had this big rise in Omicron infection rates, what happened? Well, the price of oil really crashed, went down to uh, $65, $66 a barrel, got down to that low level for a week or so, and then started to rise back up. And now here we are in the beginning of 2022 when the entire global population is being hit with the highest infection rates of COVID that we've ever seen, worse than in the previous two years. And where's the price of oil? It's back up above $84 a barrel. So it's getting all the way back up to those pre-Omicron levels right during the worst and probably the peak Of global COVID infections. This is generally the way the market always moves. It reacts ahead of time with to all the fear and gloom and doom predictions and then when they don't pan out or when they don't get as severe as the predictions were then you get a regression to the mean or in some cases the enthusiasm goes to the complete greed side of things and you get on to new record highs. Ah but I digress. Here the bottom line on all this is that the more negative the predictions are, the more encouraged I become. And right now, all the fears about rising interest rates and an overheated economy and a stock market that has too high of valuations. Well, yeah, some of that's true. Some of it isn't true. The very fact that the economy is so overheated is a problem that necessarily can't be resolved by the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. I'm not going to get into all that now. I'll let you kind of think through that yourself, but... Here's a quick example. A lot of the reasons that we have high inflation and this supposedly overheated economy is because of supply chain disruptions, Well, the demand is not being driven simply because there's too much money in the system. Yes, there is a lot of money in the system, I'm not arguing that. But look at the rate of automobile sales, new automobile sales. One of the reasons that car prices are so high, and this is whether it's new car prices or used car prices, the thing that's driving the rise in price for cars is not that people have more money to spend. It's just that there are less new vehicles being produced. The automobile manufacturers can't make enough vehicles because they can't get the semiconductors and other products to manufacture these cars. And so all the talk about inflation and how it's a Federal Reserve's fault and how they're behind the curve and how they're going to get more hawkish and all these things, none of that is going to help the supply chain catch up to demand because it's not a monetary problem. And I'm not saying it won't have any effect at all. Obviously, if the Federal Reserve raises short-term interest rates to 15%, then people are going to stop buying cars because they won't be able to afford them. But we're never going to get to that point Because the Federal Reserve is not going to raise interest rates that high. They're simply just jawboning the issue because they can look at the data just like anybody else can. But they have to take a politically correct position and take the blame and be the fall guy for all this inflation, even though their hawkish response is going to be very limited to what it can do to taming the inflation that we're currently seeing. That's just one example. You can apply the same illustration to the supposed uh, limitations we have in the amount of employees and the big crisis we're having with high labor inflation. Look at the actual employment numbers. The labor participation rate is extremely low, and if the Federal Reserve raises interest rates or cuts back on the monetary supply, that would result in employers paying their workers even less money not more money and if you pay workers less you're obviously going to have less people applying for those jobs and so the labor participation rate would go down even farther so all the problems all the solutions you hear out there listen I think it's six of one half a dozen of the other the bottom line on the stock market is that corporate profits are still extremely strong no they won't grow as much as they have in the previous two years But that just means that it's a slowdown in the rate of profit increases and not necessarily a decrease in overall profits. That's a big difference and that's what keeps you out of a recession. As long as companies are profitable, even if they're not as profitable as they had been, that keeps the economy growing just at a slower rate. And if the economy is growing at a slower rate, then you have less inflation and then you have less need for the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. Here's the other big thing, and this is why I think that the stock market remains profitable this year, is that even if interest rates increase significantly, from a valuation perspective, the stock market is not overpriced. Yes, it has a high valuation historically, but that's because interest rates are so historically low. And when I say historically, I mean over the last 40 years or so, you go back prior to that and I put out a post, I don't know, several weeks ago, a month or so ago, about these proposed interest rate increases, and I showed over a um, you know a 60-plus year period, going back to the 1950s, that the interest rate range that we're in right now is not so much different from what you saw in the early post-World War II days. Interest rates really didn't start to skyrocket until you got into the late 60s and then definitely into the into the late 70s and the reason that's important is that the stock market doesn't operate in a vacuum its valuation is a derivative of where interest rates are and if you look at the 10-year treasury which right now is under 1.8 it's 1.77 percent And if you assume that that's too low, which on a historical level it is, and so you say when the Federal Reserve has to raise rates, well, again, historically, if you look at the last 10 years or so, or even longer, going back to, you know, following the financial crisis of 2008, you'll see that despite what the Federal Reserve says about raising rates and changing Federal Reserve policy and things, that the 10-year Treasury Going back to like 2007, 2008, it has never been above 4%. And most of that time, it's been significantly below it. And in fact, anytime it gets to about 3%, the overall economy and definitely the stock market falls apart. And I don't think anything has changed. And so I think that the likelihood of the 10-year treasury going above 4 or 3% is highly unlikely. The reason that's important is because remember, the valuation of the stock market is a derivative of where interest rates are. And just from a simple perspective to understand that, everybody's talking about how the S&P 500 is so overvalued. You know, the valuations are as high today as they were in the dot-com bubble and blah, blah, blah. Well, listen, valuations are not static, right? These valuations are based off of where the 10-year treasury is. And if you go back to the dot-com bubble, and specifically looking at the mid-1990s, when the dot-com bubble was raging and when you had those crazy high valuations, especially with the high-tech stocks and on the NASDAQ, well, back then, interest rates during that period probably never got below, I don't know, I'll say 5%. Today, we're below 1.8%. And even if we go up to 3 or 4%, from a valuation standpoint... It's very minimal. At 4%, the valuation of the 10-year treasury would be 25 times earnings. At 3%, which, again, I think is likely as high as they could go on interest rates based on how anything above that would probably drastically crash the economy, so they're probably not even going to get above 3%. And at 3%, the valuation of the 10-year treasury would be more than 33 times. The reason that that's so important is that the forward price per earnings ratio of the S&P 500 right now is only about 22. And I say only about because it depends on how well you predict the future and if we know exactly what earnings are going to be. But it's going to probably come in somewhere around 22 times earnings. So, yes, historically, that's a high valuation, but then stocks are still a significantly undervalued asset because 22 is a whole lot less than 33 at a 3% interest rate, or than 25 at a 4% interest rate. So regardless of all the mumbo-jumbo that you hear the talking heads prognosticating about with rising interest rates and the changing Federal Reserve policy, keep in mind that until rates get much above 4%, the valuation on the S&P 500 is still better. And so that means that the smart money is going to keep putting their money into stock assets because they're a better value than fixed income. Well, what about all the volatility in the stock market? What about the decline in all these high-flying stocks? Well, if you stop listening to the talking heads and all their drama, and you simply look at the underlying numbers, you'll see that the volatility isn't as great as everybody is making out to be. Right now, the VIX, which is a measure of... S&P volatility, it's only about 19. Whenever we've had big episodes of volatility, then the VIX is always up near, you know, close to 30 or at least above 25. Right now, we're only at 19. And this is going into the long Martin Luther King weekend when most investors get scared over like a, you know, extended holiday weekend. The VIX closed at right around 19 on Friday. So not what I would call crisis situations. The other thing I would say is that when you look at the start of this year and the way the S&P 500 closed out the end of 2021, if you take out the factor of Omicron, which definitely affected the smaller caps and the reopening type stocks, but if you look at the general stock market, it didn't even care about Omicron. The S&P 500 put in a record close price right after Christmas and right before the beginning of the new year on December 29th. Right, that's in spite of all the Omicron hysteria, the worry about supply chain disruptions, the worry about inflation, the worry about a more hawkish Federal Reserve. And a couple days before the end of the year, the S&P still put in a record high. And then on the opening day of the new year, on January 3rd, the S&P put in another closing record high. Okay, so it's pulled back from there. So what? Even with all this volatility and all the never-ending talking heads worried about this big stock market correction that we're in, the S&P 500 is down less than 3% from its closing high on January 3rd. The S&P 500 can vary that much in a regular week, let alone the start out to a volatile stock market year. So no, the volatility doesn't worry me at all at this point. And I'll tell you another reason, again, that's looking down into the data. If we are truly at the end of this bull market cycle, and if the Federal Reserve is going to crash the economy by raising interest rates, then you would see a more widespread decline in the overall stock market. And that's not what you're seeing. You're actually seeing the stocks that have performed very badly are actually coming off of their lows. And these were stocks that got beaten down because of the Omicron variant. So right now, the big disruption that's especially happened since the beginning of the year with the big name stocks that have declined by so much, those are stocks that had extremely high valuations, valuations that were much higher than that 22 times that I said the general S&P is at. And many of these stocks are like the meme type stocks or the one trick pony stay at home stocks that just had totally unreasonable valuations, anyways. That's where the biggest decline has occurred. If you take out those extremely high valuation stocks and those big overinvested in names, especially the story stocks that had very little or no profits at all, then you see that this you know less than three percent decline in the overall S and P 500 doesn't mean that the market's falling apart. It means that even though these big names and some of them that make up you know well over 25 or more percent of the overall index even those names that are coming down the smaller stocks the more value oriented stocks those prices have been coming up and that's what's buffering the overall decline of the S&P 500 index and so for example since the beginning of this year in fact going back farther than that going back to when the Omicron variant really started to hit the stock market if you go back four weeks then I would say that the two best performing sectors of the economy have been the energy sector and the mining sector. You know, both of these industries, which are extraction industries, those sectors of the economy, by my calculations, have been up every week for the last four weeks. These sectors are up at a time that the COVID infection rate is astronomical. These are also sectors of the economy, especially the energy sector, that performed extremely well over the previous 12 months. And the reason is is that, especially the energy sector, even though the prices have come up so much, the valuations of the companies in that sector are significantly below that 22 times that the average market has. So money is not moving out of the market, it's simply moving to sectors of the economy that are more reasonably priced. That would also include sectors like financials, industrials, and materials. The financials have been up for each of the last three weeks and materials and industrials have been up for both of the last two weeks. Even the housing construction market has been up two of the last four weeks. And I can't think of a sector of the economy that's more susceptible to the Federal Reserve raising interest rates than the home construction sector. And again, that has been up two of the last four weeks. So no, I don't see gloom and doom everywhere like everybody else does. I think that overall, we will get volatility this year. I think there'll be some big pullbacks. I'm hoping that I have enough cash set aside that I can buy those dips because overall, I think the general market is going to be up by the time we close out the year. And I think that specific sectors within the economy and definitely specific stocks within the stock market are going to offer excellent opportunities to make money. I don't think it'll be as easy to make money in 2022 as it has been the last two years, but I still think it's going to provide an exceptional opportunity. So, hey, am I right or wrong? I don't know. I can't predict the future. Come on back and let's see how the year unwinds. Until then, as always... Thanks for listening. This is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.